0: Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Circe podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. Before we get into that message, we want to remind you about just a couple of things. First off, if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here at the Circe campus, text the word SEARCY to 88000 for more information about what's going on here at our local campus. And you can give online there as well. You can also get connected to life groups and so much more just by texting Cersei to 88000. Now get your Bible apps ready and prepare to hear a great word today. Hey man, you guys can be seated. Thank you so much for being here on a pre-Thanksgiving Sunday and a um, an escalated COVID weekend and rainy weather and all the other other things that we can name that would prevent you from being here. But thank you so much. For those of you watching online, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we're honored to have you as well. If you are new with us, we've been in a series for the past 11 weeks on the life of Christ. And I'm going to talk about this for another two. And then we're going to head into the Christmas season talking about about that Um, But let me catch you up just a little bit. If you have not done the devos with us, uh, you can still do that. We did 60 days, and we're going to do like another 15. And uh, you can go back and get that and listen to all those morning devos. They're fantastic. Uh, Mark Turnage uh, leads the charge on that. He did a fantastic job with that. Very, very proud of that series. Uh, But this week's theme has been obedience And so today, as I talk about obedience, I'm going to use that as a synonym of commitment. And uh, we all know how important that is as followers of Christ to have commitment and to have obedience. And I'm going to talk about uh, a very popular story in Scripture and try to parallel um, these two sisters as it relates to um, commitment. When we look at uh, commitment, and the levels of commitment. I would just want you to think out loud with me for just a, a, a moment about this. Um, when we think about being committed, commitment has to have levels. It has to have uh, entry level commitment, it has to have seasoned commitment. And you and I are somewhere on this line of getting started, or maybe you've been serving the Lord for decades. Wherever you are in this, there's a level of commitment involved for you personally. And so I think this message is applicable to all of us because we get to ask ourselves, where am I in that? Uh, Where am I with my commitment and with my obedience toward Christ and the passions that are in my own life that I'm trying to live out in in an everyday world? And so we've done this historically in very different ways and creative ways. If we look at Scripture, we find that early on, um, Jesus has to confront the religiosity of the day, and He speaks towards uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, uh, these very uh, well-versed religious groups, uh, to confront them about how they're expressing their walk with God, because they're out in the streets, praying loudly they let everybody know when they're fasting and he's like listen this is not the way that, that that you show your level of commitment this is not it and over the years that's looked different for us for some um, we went through a season my generation especially or our parents for sure uh, bumper stickers you know we, we would you know just coat our car in these Christian slogans and and uh, that 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 was the way to say hey I'm following Christ or Maybe you went to a Carmen concert, or you went to something else and you bought a t-shirt and you had this huge t-shirt collection of all these Christian cliches, and even though they were real cheesy, you wore them anyway, because it was your way of expressing your commitment. And then we kind of graduated toward... Christian jewelry. It's like everybody had to have a gold cross and a chain or earrings or something. And then we, you know, this, what would Jesus do? Bracelets came in. I don't know why I can't come up with four letters that make millions of dollars, but um, it was like, oh, we got to have one of those because then everybody knows we're following Jesus. And and then we got really committed, and we started tattooing our bodies with Christian stuff. And if you got a Christian tattoo, I'm not I'm not preaching on that, I promise. But you know, it started with like an ich- ichthus, which is like a a goldfish cracker, and that that was symbol that that symbolized uh, following Christ. And so people say, well, I want to, you know, be directional as well, and so I'm going to have one of those put on me, and then. And then it got worse, and, you know, people said, well, now I'm going to go from an Ichthus to like a crown of thorns around my bicep. And in the south, that was nothing because we already had barbed wire. We just added added crown of thorns to it. And and then, uh, you know, you had some people that said, I'm going to put the four riders of the apocalypse on my whole back. You know, and they started scaring children, and it was terrible. Um, but we just tried to up the ante to show, I'm committed, I'm committed, and I'm following Jesus, and I want there to be an outward showing of, of, of this. And so today's story, when we look at it, you're, you're going to see two completely different personality types. And I, I told the 9 o'clock this, but there are really two groups of people in this room today, and it's not saved, unsaved, it's not married, singles, it's not, it's not male, female. It is going to be, you're either a Mary or a Martha and I want us to look at the personality types of the, of these two women and to show us the perspective of how this gets into the church and how we can, in a world that is very fast-paced, live out a way to be committed to Christ. And so I, I want you to go to Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38, and I'm going to read four verses here, but... It says, as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. That's very important. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord said, Martha... Um, and anytime in Scripture, I, I like showing you this. Uh, but in 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 Hebrew, there there was not a way, and in in Greek, there was not a way to uh, emphasize. So there was no exclamation point. So anytime you see a word mentioned twice, it means enthusiasm. It doesn't mean he said Martha, Martha. It means he went Martha. It it had feeling to it. It's like fire, fire. Okay, it does it means that, that's a big fire? Okay, so. Martha, Martha means Martha. Okay, it had, had some feeling to it. Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen, watch this, the good portion. The word portion there can be put into our, our language as saying, uh, Mary knows the good part of all this, which will not be taken away from her. Okay? So let me break, break this down. Anytime I talk about Mary and Martha, I like taking a moment and showing you what these two were really like, okay, and how that equates to you. So the Marys in the room, you will gravitate toward contemplative disciplines, all right? You like to reflect and soak and do Jesus yoga, and you like prayer and journaling and those types of things, very contemplative, inventory-taking kind of. Personality. For those of you who are Martha's, you are active, doers, shakers, leading, fighting for causes, getting things done, checking things off a list. All right? So Mary is worried about the presence of God, S E N C E, and Martha is worried about creating presence, S E N T S, for God. Okay? So, as Mary um, thinks about stuff like growing and changing, and she's in a living room and she's got her, her shoes kicked off and her feet put up, and she's listening to Jesus teach and she's just listening and soaking it all in, Martha is in the kitchen working and preparing presents for God. Okay? Like, Jesus, your room is, is ready. Jesus, I made dinner. Jesus, I baked a pie. Jesus, I have presence for you. I don't focus on the presence of you because I'm preparing presence for you. So Mary worries a lot about the relational side, like am I doing okay as as a follower? Am I growing? Can I look back over my life and see markers where I am advancing in, in faith? And Martha is looking at things that got done, ways that she helped ways that she moved things forward. So Mary is about a full heart, and Martha is about a full schedule. All right? Now, I don't know if you've ever thought through this, but you have to keep in mind in these small fishing villages, um, having a guest come in, everybody knew it. Everybody knew when someone came. Everybody knew when somebody visited you. And so now Jesus is in the city, Everybody knows it. His reputation has followed him and now he is telling people he's on his way to your house. Now, some of us would be like, whoa, wait a minute. Jesus cannot come by right now. Like, I haven't cleaned the house. I haven't had a shower. I'm still in my sweats that say pink on the back. I haven't haven't cleaned out my DVR. There, There are things going on that I can't have Jesus come. But if you look, At just the personality of of these two folks, you're either a Mary or a Martha, okay? But Jesus says something really good about Mary, and I want to start with her, okay? So for those of you who are Mary, and you identify with this, you are contemplative, you come into church to worship, to listen, to learn, to be changed, You're hypersensitive to the presence of God. This is what Scripture says about Mary. In verse 39, Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And in verse 42, Jesus speaks about Mary to Martha and says, One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part. All right? In other words, like, like, we've got the space prepared, we've done all the things, and now the best part of all of it is that Jesus is here with you, in the room, present, accounted for, wanting to be involved in your life, and he self-admittedly says, I, I'm the good part of this, okay? I'm the good portion. Now, here's what, what, he, what he's really saying. Martha... There's a lot that you can do, but there's something that's most important. As a matter of fact, Martha, you you can take your whole checklist and put it together as one big significant item, and it's still not going to be as significant as me being right here in the room because I'm the good part. And once you've spent time with Jesus, that gift lasts forever. The reason you are here today is because you've had an experience. You've personally been in the room with him. You have felt his presence, and it's been the good part. And it changed the whole trajectory of your life. You married a believer. You're raising your children to serve God. You're doing the the things that keep the story going and alive. Why? Because at some point in all of our stories, Jesus, to you, was the good part, and it never goes away. He is the good portion. But having said that, the balance here is this. We need Martha's hands. So I want to talk about her. And I love Martha. And when I grew up, anytime I talk about these two, I always reflect quickly about like my Sunday school teachers or sermons that I've heard, and it tends, the pattern is always this, Mary good, Martha bad. So like, Mary, way to go. You, you are listening, you are learning, you are growing, you're doing it. Now Martha, you in that kitchen, it's bad. Like what, what you should have done is, is, is come in here and, 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 and been here, and, and so because of the way you served bad, Mary good, Martha bad. But I want to be her attorney for just a minute because I like Martha. And we need Martha. And Martha is 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 great, but we treat her terribly in this story. And maybe I like her because I too am task oriented. It makes me feel good to put a check mark beside something that I've done. It makes me feel productive, accomplished, efficient. My blood pressure goes down. But here is where we question Martha's commitment. We want to condemn her because she's not always in a state of prayer. So like Martha, there is a good aspect to her. Or like, like Mary, there is a good aspect about Martha. I'll show it to you. In Luke 10, 38, it says the woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Out of all the people in this community, he wanted to go to her house and she welcomed him, okay, now watch, let's graduate that for just just a minute, Mary is sitting in the living room with him, loving him, listening, engaging, being relational, she only gets to do that because Martha made it happen, Martha's the one who said, it's okay, come on, I'm going to make this, I'm going to build the framework by which you can have a visitation, with Jesus. So Martha is not godless. She loves Jesus. Her whole life is open to him. Her home is open to him. She's attentive. She's concerned. She's a mature believer. She does some really wonderful things. And as you look throughout the gospels, her name just continues to get brought up. So let's not dismiss her. But here's the issue. And here's where the rubber meets the road for you and I in this story, as it applies to not only our church, but how we're individually living out our lives in obedience. In Luke 10, 40 through 42, it says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. Her to-do list was distracting her from worshiping. In other words, Martha... You're doing so much that that you're missing the point. Now, let's pull this out of spiritual context and put this in a physical context just so you can see the parallel. There are those of you in this room who work extremely hard for the sake of your family's well-being. You work 40, 50, 60-plus hours a week so your family can have a lifestyle. You want to have a nice home. You want to clothe your family. You want to have food. You, you want them to be fully prepared for school. And you want them to have environments that become a catalyst for them being able to learn. And you will prepare for this. And you even looked ahead in time, and you're preparing for a retirement season. So you're putting money back right now so that later in your life, you can still provide. And you're doing this constantly, and it's like it's it's a drive in you. And you are working, working, working toward it. But the same family that you're trying to love and support and provide, if you're not careful, you will be so caught up in the doing that even when you're with your family physically, you're not with them. This is exactly what he's talking about. Like like we can serve God to the point that we don't even know really who He is. One of the scariest verses in Scripture for me is the ju- a, a, a a judgment scene and there are people who are standing before God and they're saying, "But Lord, we we did all these things in Your name, like we we cast out devils in Your name. I don't know how much more powerful you can get than that." And the statement that comes back is so sad. He's just like, I, "But I I don't know you." So it poses this question that just says, "Is." Is how I'm doing the work of God, destroying the work of God in me. Like, it's how I view the, the church and what I'm doing for it. And some of you have built your entire walk with God around what you're doing. And that comes from a terrible view of religion, like, like, like an earning. Like, I've got to do it to, to get in. Like, I've, I've got to earn this this relationship, rather than rest in it. And so you're doing and you're doing and, and and you're doing, but the more you do, the less you really know Him. That's what he's pointing out. You are distracted with serving. The way you're doing the work of God has destroyed the work of God in you. And so watch this. Because this has happened, because she's distracted, because it's all about the task list, She comes up up to him and she says, Lord, do you not even care? Now, I don't want this to go go by you because this is a a very inaccurate theological statement. We all know that God cares. The whole story of the gospel is that he cares. From Genesis to Revelation is, is God cares. And here, one of his favorite people, Lord, did you not even care? This had to sting a little bit. And then she graduates it and says, Then, then why, don't you, why don't you get in here and tell her to help me? That's a bad day right there, y'all. Okay, When you're bossing God around, that's a bad day. Now, we don't have to act, act righteous. We've all done this in some way. Right? Think about this year. How many times have you said, Lord, do you not even care? People are losing their jobs. Can't you move on this pandemic and just be God in it? Do you not care about this? Why don't don't you do something about it? We've all said it at some point. Keep in mind, this is the same, same sisters who said, Lord, if you'd been here earlier, this wouldn't have happened to our brother. This is this is a is a spiritual grid that she's working from. Lord, do you not even care? Here's why this perspective is bad because it becomes resentful. Because what what you do if if you get caught up in a task oriented type relationship with God, well, you look around and you start to go, "No one ever helps me. No one does their part. No one follows through. I can't depend on anybody. I'm working the hardest. Nobody cares." Nobody's leading life group. Nobody's pouring coffee. Nobody's pouring cars. Nobody's picking up. Nobody's spraying seats. Nobody's wearing masks. Nobody's doing anything. Nobody cares. And suddenly, what's supposed to be a great relationship with Jesus turns into something that is just sour. And it can stay with us for a long time. So Martha... Be careful. Is the way you're doing the work of God destroying the work of God in you? Let me move on. Here's where balance comes, okay? Here's where it is. It's not Mary or Martha. You don't have to pick a side. You don't have to build a case. You don't have to defend a wall. Because it's both and. We need Mary first and Martha second. And I think this is a big takeaway here. We need to spend time with Jesus because he's the good part. And then we need to get things done. If I equate that to us as as a church, we need to come together. We don't need to forsake that. We need to be together together and we need to, to learn together, and we need to be forged as one body. And then when we leave, we go into a world where we got to get things done. And it's not just about bread winning. It's about, it's about winning hearts and souls. It's twofold. It's a double-edged sword. Be Mary first, Martha second. Worship like Mary, work like, like Martha. Because if all Mary does is sit around and be contemplative and, and, and pray and soak and fast and journal then she and never applies it, then she ends up sinning in a completely different way. We've got to have Mary's heart and Martha's hands in the same person. We've got to bring them together. And here's an unfortunate. We live in a Martha world. And it seems that every year that goes by, it gets worse. The pressure increases. Anxiety increases. Stress increases. I look at a, a lot of research that pertains to adults and adults learning. And right now we have more problems focusing than we ever have. We're so overwhelmed with information. Like, just, I got to do this and this and this, and I got to do that at work, and I got to do this at my house. And then you add a holiday to that. The things that you got to do to have people over, to serve, to pull off the perfection weekend that you're wanting to have. And then you're going to be doing things to your house, buying gifts, thinking about other people. On top, it, it becomes another plate to spin, and you lose, you lose focus. It's a Martha world. It's fast. Used to, people cared more about your integrity and your character, and they would hire you off of that and train you to be pr- pr- productive, and that, that has flipped. Now it's what can you do for us, and we hope you have integrity. It's driven and we're troubled, and we're anxious, and we're, to use Jesus' word, distracted. And it leads to all kinds of things. Stress, anxiety, depression, anger, heart disease. Much of it can be attributed to inheriting a fallen, sin-filled, martha world, and it's all we know. And when we look at the span of time and every generation in front of us and those that will come after us, you and I are a blip on a radar that we have to get we, we, we have to get a hold of this and say, how can we in a Martha world be balanced with Mary? Because God intended the world to be Mary first, then Martha. He designed it all to be a Mary world with some Martha moments. Serve me. Be with me. Grow. Understand heaven and eternity and then have moments where it's martha and we've completely turned that you ask people about their relationship with god or church it, it it's it becomes a luxury conversation like i'm not afforded the luxury to attend on the weekend or i'm not afforded the the luxury to think about my relationship with god kevin i'm moving at a at a Fast pace and, and cadence and I just I don't, I don't have the time Christians have a luxury to to, to follow God to be contemplative to to be able to, to to block off an entire Sunday morning to go to church together and be together and go eat with friends afterward or have a life group on that that evening that's a luxury i can't afford and, and, and we've, we've turned it now we're we're a Martha world with merry moments, but this is what I I'm going to end with this. This This is my thought. I think when Jesus is talking to Martha, he's not rebuking her. He's communicating the fact that he just missed her. So let me frame this for 60 seconds. Jesus is not upset about the preparation. And one of our core values here is that excellence honors God. We want the building to be prepared. We, we want lesson plans for your children. We want there to be a general direction. from this worship team, preparing of His message, we want to all, all to have some excellence to it because it honors God. But none of it can take the priority over being with Him. If we've missed the person, we've missed the point, and the person is Jesus. If we... Get everything about the organization and everything about the building and everything about facility and, and, and everything about personnel and policy. You completely miss the presence. And I think what Jesus wanted was, hey Martha, can you for a second bring some balance? Just put your apron up. Come in here and be with Mary and I. Let's, let's just talk. Let's just be together, and when this meal is over, Mary can join you and help in the task list. But right now, in this moment, I'm here. I think it could have gone further. This is not in your in your Bible. This is just a thought. But I think he could have said this and it had been accurate. He could have said, "Mary, or Martha." I, I don't. I don't have a lot of time. Like the plan for my life is to be crucified for mankind. And right now, I have a lot of foes, and I have a lot of fans, but I don't have a lot of friends. So why don't you just come and and sit with me? If we miss this as a church, we miss all of it. Because what's the point in gathering, and what's the point in the excellence And what's the point in resourcing it if when he comes, we just stay in the kitchen? So my challenge is this. Let's come back to a balance and a priority. We worship first. We work second. We be with him in his presence first. We create presence for him second. Let's be both. Only you and the Holy Spirit know for sure where you are on this scale. If you're being way too much like Martha, or you're being way too much like Mary. Come back to a balance. Come back in where we can be both. Come back into a life that has abundance with it because you're in balance. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this story.